Checkity check, checkity check. Recording, recording, recording. <sighs> we are recording now. Okay. We were okay. Earlier. Let's but snip now that we are recording. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Fields of Work. I'm Sam, and that's Max, and this is a podcast about work and feel fields. Basically, <laughs> it is. This week it's a fields podcast. It is a fields podcast. I got a lot. Of, I got a lot to talk about fields. Uh, before we do that, though, we got to check in. Max, it's September first, mm-hmm. which in my brain means fall. So, what is your favorite fall activity? Hmm, favorite fall activity. I. I like if I'm gonna camp at all ever. I like fall camping, which I don't necessarily make. A, it's not necessarily a fall specific been activity. Camping? What's that? Have you ever been camping? Yeah. Why? I don't know. I I feel like I can't picture. I can't. Uh, I don't have any memory of you camping. I've camped some. I was up at Michigan Tech. And oh yeah, things like that. Living in Michigan but, Tech um, is like camping, as I've, I've been told. <laughs> exactly. You don't get a dorm. You just get a tent. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, it's just the best time to camp with the fact that the nights are cool so that the bonfire is even nicer. You can yeah. kind of cozy up. You're never, like, as attacked by bugs. Yeah. Um, but also, I'm a big fan of cider and donuts. Uh, cider mill donuts are the best thing in the world. Um, I would eat them whenever, but but pairing them with cool uh, fall day is pretty much the, the ideal time to eat them. And I have any, many fond memories of that from growing up, so... I would say cider and donuts is my true fall activity. Nice. But I, I can't think about that yet, by the way, because it's not even close <laughs> to fall here, so I can't even be thinking like this. But go ahead. I have learned – what is mm-hmm. Emily doing? It sounds like she's washing a hippo in her bathroom. <laughs> I can't right. hear it, so it's fine. Okay, good. Um, I don't think every place in the, in the United States has cider mills. Like That's not like a universal thing. No, it's not. I think Weird. it's well. P- part of it's the fact that Michigan grows apples, and that's kind of an important aspect of uh, having a cider mill. I mean, I know you can import apples and such, but I think the idea usually is is that states where you're growing a lot of apples is where you'll find lots of cider mills. Okay. Because um, that was kind of my experience. There were definitely some in Massachusetts, but it was not as common as it was in Michigan. Yeah. And what? And for those, I guess, for those listeners of, that we have that don't have cider mills, maybe they don't know like the type of donut you're talking about. Bring us into the the donuts that you're you're loving on. Um, I assume they're universal at this point, but yeah, they are heavily heavily coated cinnamon sugar uh, donuts. Usually a uh, cake donut, not yep. a yeast donut. Yep. Uh, a- ideally, apple cider they donut are, at, at yeah. Dunkin' Donuts, maybe. Ideally, they are very warm when you get them. You want these bad boys to feel like they are just finished frying. Yep. Um, and they're th- and usually it's a thick, pretty coarse layer of cinnamon sugar. It's not like a little dusting. It is. You can it get is, them plain though, too. And the plain ones are damn that's good. True. They're good. They're they're just straight up fried cake dough that's very yep. warm and delicious, and always usually accompanied by Cold uh, cider. fresh bread. Yeah, a cup of cider. Um, and it's the perfect pairing. Um, right. Max, yeah. at the count of three, I want us both to say. So you're picture yourself. You're at a cider mill. All right, you're getting mm-hmm. some cider. You're getting some donuts. Um, the number one thing that is causing you anxiety while you are there. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. 
One, Are you saying it on three? Yeah, on three. <laughs> One, two, three. three. Bees. Bees. Yeah, bees are everywhere. <laughs> I don't. It's incredible how many bees and like often yellow jackets, not like nice fuzzy honeybees, but like mm-hmm. mean asshole yellow jackets hang out at cider mills. Yeah, that's where they. I don't, that's the only time I usually see them. I feel like really in the summer. I think yeah. they all hang out there and wait for it. Yeah, it's yeah. usually a point where like it's. Almost hard to enjoy them at the place that you bought them. Um, <laughs> yeah. You need to either be on the move, like walking a trail and trying to do it at the same time, which is going to be tough. Yeah. Or you just pack those bad boys up and go somewhere else because yeah. they they stake that place out and that is their home. Yep. Um, All right. Do you guys ha- do you have a cider mill near you? And uh, I Maureen? don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. If we do, I haven't been there. Was that going to be your answer? I didn't realize that we we were sharing an answer here for this best um, fall activity. I mean, it is a pretty great activity. I will. It's in my top five for sure. Um, wow. I think top. what I would – I don't know if this is necessarily an activity, but more so a sign of the times or a sign of the season is that in October, hockey season starts. That's true. Boom. That is true. And in I September, guess training camp starts. <laughs> So, I guess that's a fall activity that I, counts. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to and then watching the return of the NHL season is very exciting. Also, right, um, pumpkin stuff. <laughs> Just vague pumpkin stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, pumpkin pie, pumpkin okay. spice latte. Uh, you're talking flavor, pumpkin eating things. Well, here. pumpkins are out and about, too. Yeah, I mean, not, uh, so not like walking around, but <laughs> no, on the road for sure. Yeah, God, how weird would that be? Towns, yeah, neighborhood pumpkins. If pumpkins were like sentient and had faces, that would explain jack o' lanterns a lot more. Although it would also be pretty um, horrifying. Horrifying, yeah. What's we're we're ripping their faces into exist? I'm very confused. What that would well, mean. Well, so if you have walking <laughs> sentient pumpkins. Um, and then also this this tradition of jack o' lanterns. I think what the what how it works is that basically you catch these little monsters and you like I don't know somehow make them immobile uh, and then you stick a fire inside them and then you have a jack o' lantern. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. It's pretty messed up. Let's move on. <laughs> what uh, hey Max? What's been going on at the farm? This this is the first time I ever say this. Sam, you can tell me what's been going on at the farm. <laughs> That's right. You I were can. here. I. We did. We finally did the the crossover that everyone's been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Corporate boy goes to the farm and does farm stuff and finds his way and cuts his thumb and picks some vegetables and all all the things you would expect in that crossover episode. I did it. Yep. And do you? How do you feel post uh, post farm? Oh, pretty accomplished. manly. Pretty manly. Yeah. Pretty accomplished. Um, you left as a different man. I did. I did leave as a. A, a man wiser about the ways of farming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to share some of that wisdom at some point. All right. Th- things you learned. Okay. I didn't write any <laughs> of these down, so I'll be making them up as we go along. But yes, <laughs> That's fine. last week, so we're recording this on Wednesday. Last week, I flew out to Tennessee uh, Sunday night. You came and picked me up from the airport like the gentleman that you are. And we went back to your place. And Monday morning, I started my apprenticeship um, under your fine tutelage. You came on a incredibly hot week. Was very um, hot week. I think we were pushing heat indexes around 100 pretty much every single day. Yeah, which I, I guess feel like the day of, yeah. got there pretty quick, usually too. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we probably could have been, um, you know, could have been catching the morning a little earlier, but I like having a slower morning, and we weren't trying to do anything crazy. So, well, and we even probably, then, we were still getting outside at like 7:30 at the latest. 
Yeah, we were still out and moving around, but by usually by about nine o'clock, you're you were sweating up, uh, sweating up a storm. Yeah. Um, but I guess that was a pretty good inclination of like what farming from June to August is like down here. I've been told, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's been true for this entire summer. So it was good. It was a good experience of like the um, how weather can impact farming in a, an extreme way. Yeah. So that was good. You know, yeah. you didn't get to come here on necessarily like a nice mild week, mm-hmm. um, which I'm ha- which I'm kind of having this week. So cool. Um, so I don't have the yeah. notes in front of me, but maybe I could just kind of go from memory and you can help steer it when I when I lead us astray as to like what we did. Um, yeah, just kind of run through uh, the, the stuff that I experienced on the farm. That's, uh, that's so good. so Monday, that first day, you all usually have a farmer's market on Saturday, but because of inclement weather, it did not happen. Um, mm-hmm. And then you also usually collect orders from like basically a text chain and Instagram uh, over the weekends, right? Like that's a normal yep. thing. Yeah. So basically you had a, com- a, com- a combination of orders that had arrived over the weekend plus some people who normally would have come to the farmer's market who reached out is how do they get connected to you all? I think they they would have had to reach out via Instagram probably because okay. we had we don't have a, a established email chain or anything right. yet. Um, so there were people mostly through through Instagram or basically or from though, texting. you had a larger than usual slate of orders to fulfill Monday morning. Is that fair? Yeah, usually it'd probably be around eight to ten orders, and I think we had sixteen uh, yeah. on that Monday. Um, yeah. So it was definitely a bigger a bigger morning of packing stuff than we would than I would normally have. Yeah. So that was a combination of so because you had prepared for the farmers market, you already had a bunch of stuff packed and cut and cleaned and everything and ready to go. So a, a large part of it was just taking that stuff and putting it in the cr- correct bag for the various orders. Um, but we also had to go uh, harvest some stuff, and I believe the first thing that I harvest was some arugula. Was that right? Yeah, I think we started with greens, arugula, yeah. and, and baby lettuce. You gave so. me uh, you gave me a farm knife, which was a cool mm-hmm. little and surprisingly sharp little serrated knife that I wear on a little scabbard uh, on my on my uh, on my hip. And you bend over and you cut uh, arugula from the plants that look healthy and have big green leaves. Yep. Yep, couldn't be any simpler. <laughs> mm-hmm. I arugula is not my favorite thing to harvest. Yeah, I don't know why. What was that? But uh, too, too technical. Uh, no, I think the plants are too small. Okay, you got big. <laughs> uh, you got big oaf hands that are kind of. It's kind of hard to get the finesse. Yeah, and I think early on, I because I had no experience, I was too choosy about which plants I could go ahead and harvest. And once I've oh, yeah. later on in the week, we were just like doing entire plants. Like that was a little bit more fun because I like, grab them all, yeah. and slice them. I will say it's one of those tasks too that um, when you I think you asked me this question while you were here, what what is a crop that I probably spent the most time harvesting? Yeah, and I think my answer would be like hand cutting baby greens like that because I've spent probably hundreds of hours. <laughs> Uh, hunched over in the way that you were, um, which there's no ergonomic uh, position to find your body in while you're trying to cut it, and just cutting by hand uh, baby greens um, because it's a really high-value crop. I mean, that stuff sells for $9, $10 a pound. Um, And, you know, between you and I, we harvested five pounds in 10 minutes or less. So, um, you know, it's a pretty quick quick harvest to make good money. But, yeah, so I spent a lot of time hunched over. It's definitely – 
I think new new people on the farm are always pretty concerned about getting the perfect leaf. And yeah. a lot of it is really just cut it all, throw it in a basket, and then sort it a little bit yeah. more later it in the is, process. It is satisfying to use. Like, that little knife, I love that little knife, man. Like, I know, I right? get one just to, like, keep around the house, like, open packages with it. I'll, it, I'll send you a little link. I, I wear all right. mine all the time. I find it I find it to be incredibly useful in my daily life, so I usually try and keep it on my waistband pretty much the whole day. Nice. Um, we call them Swiss knives because for some reason the brand they carry has the little oh. red Swiss cross yeah. on it. Um, That's, um, but they're great. That's a little bit confusing because a Swiss Army knife is already a thing anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I guess it's there not an also, Army knife. It's just the Swiss knife. Also, harvest knives is, is another pretty common term for it because right. it is pretty much the, go, the go-to one. Um, gotcha. So we harvested some stuff. I I mean, I don't remember what all it was that first time. I know I used to remember it was arugula. I think some... Uh, carrots. We dug up Oh, all yeah. Carrots. carrots. Carrots are fun. They're my, maybe one of my favorites to pick. Because it's a fun, it's a fun pairing, like a paired harvest to do. Because you would just go down the bed using like what, like a pitchfork, basically, to loosen yep. the soil, and then I would just follow along behind you, grabbing uh, carrots by their hair and kind of shaking mm-hmm. them off and throwing them in and making a pile of them. It was fun. Yep. It kind of felt like I was fishing because you can't tell how big a carrot's <laughs> going to be from the top. Especially the way that the top. Usually, you kind of get an idea, but the way that my tops were looking, they had some. Uh, disease going on just on the greens, so the tops were kind of falling apart, but the roots were fine, so it was yeah. really satisfying because there was almost nothing on the surface. But then you dig them up and yeah, and a whole whole five inch carrot underneath the ground, which is it's, pretty exciting. It's a fun one too because you get like good and dirty doing it because the soil was kind of wet. I feel like that yeah. day it was kind of muddy, and you just get in there and you pull these out of the ground and you feel like a real man. <laughs> yeah, it's so. a, it's a it's a manly task. Yeah, that one was fun. Um, I, we may have picked some more things, uh, but then we went back and cleaned stuff. You have this fun little contraption where you put all the cut greens in essentially a big old tub of water, and you aerate, uh, you aerate it, and then you scoop it all out and put it in a, in a spinning tub, which is literally just a washing machine tub on spin cycle, and it spins all the water off of it. And then I spent time taking that and making half pound bags, so because that's what people had ordered were half pound bags. That's right. And I got yep. pretty good pretty quick at being able to eyeball what a half pound was, and I was pretty impressed with myself. You're, you're a natural. Yeah, I think so. Which makes it sound like I have, like, a drug background or something. Like, I'm good at <laughs> measuring plants into a bag and getting the cur- a perfect amount of, of weight. I don't at all. Um, I just, I'm just naturally gifted at eyeballing weights, apparently. I think it's maybe coffee. Maybe it's all you're weighing coffee. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I have done That's, a lot of that. <laughs> we'll, we'll say that instead. A different yeah. type of drug. Yeah. All right. So we we got all <laughs> we got all the. Uh, it took like literally all morning. I feel like to get all the um, orders together and ready to go, and yep. um, some like basically they were taken to various places. We didn't have to worry about it. Mary Britain took them to wherever they yep. were going to get picked up, and then I don't know what else did we do on Monday. Honestly, not much. We um, well, we did a task that would repeat throughout the week, which oh, was okra. Yeah, we harvested okra on Monday. I um, have I grew to enjoy harvesting okra. Yeah, I did it today. I was having I was having a pretty great time. The plants are massive now. Um, How long does it know, take you now to do it without without me there? One person picking it all, and I was doing some pruning today. It would probably normally take me like forty minutes, maybe. Okay. Gotcha. 35 40 minutes i don't know it depends it's um, not that much longer than with me there i'm realizing my ego it, is it, hurt 
<laughs> okra. It's hard to say. Tall plants, like they're some of them are taller than you now. Uh, most yep. of them at least as tall as you. Uh, growing these, like, I mean, I don't have to describe. I guess maybe I do need to describe what an okra is to people. But like this pod, this kind of hard pod that's like finger length. And you reach in there with some snips, some little snippers, and you cut them off and you throw them in a bucket. And you got to get them all because if you don't, they keep growing. If they keep growing, they turn into, we call them woody. And nobody wants to eat mm-hmm. those. If anything, maybe yep. make a Christmas ornament out of them. But yep. you don't want a bunch of woody ones. You got to make sure you're cutting them. And they also grow very fast. While I was there, we harvested okra, what, three times? Three times. Every other day. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, you, have, uh, you, have a, you have a shit ton of okra. Yeah, it's a lot of okra. We only, I mean, for context, we were picking uh, three beds of it. There's two rows per bed. The beds are only 50 feet long. So um, each bed has 100 plants, basically. So 300 plants. And I think each day we were picking about 14 to 15 pounds, yeah. uh, about 45 pounds a week. I will say I went out there uh, on Monday, Sam, and was it, that was the was one. It, it one po- did it pop off? Yeah, it was basically you know one extra. Day. The weekend's always one extra day of growing, and I yeah. probably threw. I harvested sixteen pounds, I think, and I threw probably eight pounds on the ground. Um, I mean, each plant had one or two, as what we were referring to as ground okra. While we were out there, because yeah. they, were just des- they were destined for the ground. No one, you can't even cut them with a knife. Yeah. Um, so we th- I would toss them to the ground, and it didn't matter whose row it was. It was just there were, they grew so much over that weekend for some reason. Yeah. Um, but they're incredible plants. I mean, they're really they're they're cool they're, looking. And they, they have cool flowers. The flowers look badass. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful. They're yeah. really, really cool. And the plants themselves are kind of like just a work of art in the sense that if you look at the base of the plant, it's actually like a wood. Like it looks yeah. like bark. Yeah. And it's probably two and a half, three inches in diameter and for certain plants. Yeah. They're, they're pretty amazing. Um, and they're nonstop. Um, so gosh, I wish people could eat more okra <laughs> as, a, as a society. If we could just turn to okra as maybe our superfood, yeah. Um, farmers would love it because I'm already in there picking it. So if I could get someone to just buy it, it'd be yeah, better. That would be nice. Yeah, so, so we, we did picked, do lots of that. Pick some okra. Okay. Uh, was there anything else we did on Monday? We picked a little bit of squash as well, and that was oh, it. Yeah. Um, squash. Uh, I learned are uh, the squash plants are awesome because they're basically like straws. Like the plants are hot, the the like the leaves, the le- well, not yeah, the leaves, the the stems are really wide and legitimately hollow. And I think I had the great idea of making a cocktail with a squash plant straw. I don't know how that would taste. Straw, straw squash oh. is a pretty strong flavor. Maybe like, yeah. like a Bloody Mary. Yeah, maybe on it might be on something. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was Monday. We didn't. I mean, it's not like we didn't work like a twelve-hour day or anything. <laughs> no, by, not at all. By the middle of the day, it got hot, um, and we went to the pool. I think. And oh, I ate. So I'm not going to recap every meal, but I know I ate a lot of farm fresh eggs and a whole lot of produce while I was there uh, last week. Yeah, we stuffed we stuffed every meal pretty full. I feel like with with farm stuff, specifically your lunches, you were you were making big eggs, the scrambled, big eggs, <laughs> scrambled eggs with like a bunch of sautéed peppers and onions and stuff. Ooh, it was real good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Monday was a pretty pretty low physical. Uh, I feel like body. it kind of eased me into it a little bit. I learned a bunch of stuff. I learned how to harvest some things. I learned how to you know walk around the farm where things were. You know all that sort of important stuff. I got oriented. It was like an orientation it was, day. It was it was onboarding. Yeah, it was farm yeah. onboarding. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, Tuesday. What did we do Tuesday? I it was I a big task. Big big. Oh, thing squash. We harvest all the squash, right? Yeah, we finished the winter squash harvest. Nice. That took what an hour and a half or so. Yeah, we um 
we did do something that morning here. Oh, we packed. Uh, we had to harvest a few more things for a nonprofit um, oh, yeah. that morning, um, which took like thirty minutes or so. And then we went out to tackle a task that I had been kind of putting, not putting off, but waiting for you to come because mm-hmm. um, I thought it would help to have a second set of hands because um, it's an all at once harvest even, of the winter squash. Even uh, non-experienced, um, somewhat useless hands were helpful in this. Yeah, I don't think it's. Um, it doesn't take a lot of decision making. It wasn't rocket it's like, surgery. <laughs> it's how many people can we get out there yeah. cutting, <laughs> cutting these things off the plant? Um, so they so, were yeah, honey nut squash and uh, not delicata. You had already cut those. Um, yeah. What were the other one? Butt nuts. Butter nuts. Oh, butter nuts. Butt nuts. <laughs> yes. So we did. Uh, we did a nuts. We did we nut squash a lot. harvest. We, we laughed a lot at butt nut. Um, and it's a pretty. That's a pretty grueling uh, overall was. task. Again, was, yeah. done in really hot weather, which is not ideal usually for winter squash harvest. Um, at least you think of it as a winter and fall crop. So it's you know, nice to imagine harvesting it in, in cool weather. But I'm sure it was pushing 90 plus yeah. degrees when we were out there doing it. Um, and you're hunched over. Yeah, the process of this is you're, you're hunched over and you're, you're each taking a, you know, a, a, a row essentially and you're finding all the squash. And the thing about squash is like, they're not like they're all lined up in the exact same spot. Like They wander. So you got to mm-hmm. find them. And you got to then cut it off of the vine with your snip uh, and then make little piles uh, so that we can go back later and pick them all up together. And then you're also got to be looking for bad ones that you just throw away. Yeah. So at this point, these, these squash have been in the ground since May. Um, the plants have died back a bunch. The, you're waiting for the squash to color up. So butternut turns tan, honey nut turns orange. Um, and yeah, we were just kind of working through making big piles. And it's a heavy task. I mean, each yeah. band was filled up. Those things weigh 50 plus pounds. Yep. Um, but pretty satisfying though. You, gotta, oh, yeah. you start you start with a field. I have some pictures. If anyone's looking like on Instagram, there's some pictures from Sam's visit here. And you know, you start with a field where it's just like little speckles of color all over the place from all the squash scattered. And by the end, you can turn around and look back and see pretty much nothing left on the ground, right. um, which is always a very satisfying farm feeling um, <laughs> when you can see vis- visually what you did is, is you know is done, and and you can see everything uh, in the back of the cat or wherever you're harvesting into. Yeah. Uh, it was a good task. Well, I see what you mean too. Like, I think I knew implicitly that obviously there were some plants that you pick throughout the year, and you can get multiple pickings off of a plant versus things that you just pick once and then you're done. Obviously, mm-hmm. or I don't know if it's obvious or not, but the squash were a thing you just pick them all at once and then you're done, and then yeah. you can turn the field into something else. They basically they'll yeah they they fruit kind of all at once, not like uh, you know periodically. There were when we were out there, some plants were still alive enough to kind of be producing baby fruit, but yep. not enough to justify leaving the other ones on to get overripe. So they do kind of all ripen up at once. It's kind of this, a similar way to how people harvest like corn. You know, the first ears of corn is always the best. You can linger and wait for smaller ones. Or same with cantaloupe. You know, I picked pretty much all the cantaloupe at once. Yeah, um, staggered a little bit, but that's kind of how how winter squash is versus yeah a summer squash, which every Two, again, every two days you could be out there picking yeah. uh, a ripe, a ripe ready right. summer squash. So, right. so we picked all those, got them into bins, got them into the back of the cat, and then the process for those is that they have to sit out in an area with good ventilation for a couple of weeks to cure. That's right. Yep. Yeah, three weeks, and usually uh, a shade. We we put them in our greenhouse, which has a shade cloth over it because actually don't want it to be too hot for them, and they just kind of sit and they sweeten up, and they also. Uh, 
thicken up the skin so that they will uh, last the winter in storage. So I know we left a bunch in bins. Have you since found places for them or no? I did. Yeah, that was um, just a quick like extension. That was what I did today. So I okay. packed up and moved all the delicata that was in their curing, had been in there for three weeks. I harvested that a little while back with another uh, coworker of mine. I brought all that over to the barn, put it into a big bulk storage bin. Oh, you got I've the bulk picked. storage bin set up? Yeah, so it's all set up inside. Steve helped me kind of set up dividers. So this giant four foot by four foot by four foot deep um, giant plastic bin is going to hold all of our winter squash in the barn in a kind of climate controlled room. And so today I moved over 400 pounds of some, of delicata. Um, and that made enough space to finish laying out the squash right. that you and I harvested last week. So it was all fine. There was nothing rotting from the fact that it had been right, sitting good. in bins. Um, and Got me I think, nervous. Yeah, I think I would just visually estimate, estimating maybe 450 to 500 pounds we harvested. So wow. I think we'll finish just under 1,000 for that, that field which is nice. pretty awesome for um, you know a, a half acre farm yeah. as a whole, and this was nine you know this was technically eighteen nine hundred foot beds of oh no not even because some of that was cantaloupe so a little bit less um, of just winter squash which is a pretty awesome yield from what we had um, so I'm excited to start moving it um, yeah. in the next coming months cool so so we did that that was our main task on Tuesday We're, did we then do was that the log day. Um, you know, I think it was, we, um, we ripped out, uh, like an old arugula bed. One of the beds was done. Yeah. We kind of tilled that and cleaned up the bed so that we could replant it. Yeah. Um, that might've been also the log day. We, if not, we can just go ahead and assume it was. And, sure. um, so yeah, we yeah, finished we, off I the think shiitake talked, mushroom. Yeah, you've talked about the shiitake logs before, but basically the process is you have these, what, three, four foot long, uh, pieces of oak. And you drill holes in them, and then you pound this little mushroom-infested dowel uh, into the hole. You put a little wax on top, and you put a bunch of those into the log, and then you stack the logs on top of each other, and then you wait around, and someday you have mushrooms. Yep. Yeah, We. Uh, I think you and I knocked out about 10 or 12 more of the logs to yeah, finish it a couple off. Of, I think a couple of hours. Yeah, I think it's. I think this whole new batch that I had done this summer is about thirty new logs. So if all of them take, um, it'll be exciting to kind of get a follow up. Hopefully next spring when they they do their first flush, we'll mm-hmm. see what kind of poundage comes out of them. But a nice a nice laid back task in the shade. Um, yeah, it was like, like relatively laid back. I mean, bugs were still biting us uh, a little bit, but we weren't in the sun. Um, and yeah, it was. I mean, tedious but not terrible. Yeah, and the bugs will be a theme throughout all the week as oh we God, were absolutely ravaged. Were <laughs> I think it was the picking of the okra where the bugs got me the worst, but yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it was uh, everywhere essentially. Yeah, so that okay. was finished that another big another big kind of uh, yeah. task that had just been sitting yeah, around. That one felt good to get off your to do list, right? Yeah, it had been on there since early July, so um, yeah. just kind of waiting for a moment to to get to it, and uh, yeah, so it was good. That was a good feeling. It was right in my wheelhouse. I could uh, I could knock a dowel into a hole and then cover it with a little bit of wax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were you were a natural. Thank you. You held that hammer like you knew what you were doing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Wednesday, Wednesday. I have no memory of Wednesday. What did we do on Wednesday? I know we uh, must not have we must not have harvested because it was packed. Oh, we, we this is the day where we planted. Yeah. So we used the direct seeder. We had a couple beds that were sitting. Taught me how to use the broad fork. Yeah, so we did a little bit of a little bit of bed prep. I uh, had a couple of vacant beds and a couple of beds that we had finished harvesting everything off of earlier in the week. So yeah, Sam got a, got got some working on the broad fork, which is like the no-till 
our low-till farmer's best friend to kind of break up the soil without bringing in something intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, how'd you feel with the broad fork? It's uh, it's kind of fun to use. You, it, it definitely like breaks up the soil really effectively, and you get into a nice rhythm doing it. Um, mm. I don't know. I kind of like using the broad fork. Yeah, it's uh, it's a full body workout. You know what I hate it's, though? The wheel hoe. Yeah, it's not. Um, I think there's something wrong with mine. It's not ergonomic in any sense. No. Um, something about the height at which you use. If it, I was like just... four inches taller, it'd be more ergonomic. <laughs> And there's no way they built it with the intention of everyone being six foot one. Um, <laughs> but maybe, but maybe. Um, weird, so yeah, we planted. Uh, you got to learn how to use the Jang uh, direct seeder. We yep. planted. Beets, I planted carrots, some very straight lines. I feel like. Again, I feel like uh, you're not acknowledging the fact that you had straight lines to go off of. Because well, I yeah, you gave me the first gu- two rows. <laughs> you gave me some good guidelines, but you know, I feel like it could have been a wreck. It could have. It could have. And, you know, I have plenty of beds out there on the farm where things are definitely not straight. But, you know, that's character. That proves that it's being done by humans. That's right. Um, I can't remember what the day breakdown it was on all this. Some of this might be running together. We also – so we did a lot of that planting and then we we did some different weeding during that. I, You know, we weeded some pathways and I weeded some carrots and stuff with the I picked picked rocks out of a field. (laughs) I tell you, I don't know if that was Wednesday or Thursday, but you definitely picked the crap out of some rocks. Yeah. Um, there was a new field I just broken ground on this year, and all new fields, for the most part, anywhere you farm, are going to be full of rocks. And so I had gone through the whole process of shaping the beds, making the beds, um, and planting a cover crop. Um, and I had you go through um, and pick out all the biggest <laughs> rocks that were mostly in the pathway. Um, and I would say, I don't know, what do you think? You, what do you think you pulled out of there? What kind of rock? What kind of rock harvest did you get? Seven, eight hundred pounds. <laughs> at least yeah i don't know probably like, two uh, two or three five uh gallon bucket full it was probably just shy of like each one was probably 30 pounds at least so it's probably yeah. almost 90 to 100 pounds i mean that's you know out of six beds on a tiny part of the farm um which is a good feeling i mean like that yeah. was the thing that needed to get done um i think that day is we also um we crimped some buckwheat we pushed the big oh, crimper through the buckwheat. yep yep that was fun kind and of felt uh, dis- very destructive it's very destructive. Um, I was worried that I was crushing, <laughs> crushing bees. Yeah, it's a giant, uh, giant wheel with kind of like a V pattern in it, and um, just for knocking shit to, down. Just for knocking shit down. So you grow a cover crop, and then rather than if you don't want to mow that cover crop, or you want it to break down a little bit uh, cleaner, or sometimes people will grow certain things that they'll then crimp and then cover the tarp, and it'll actually become kind of a mulch. Um, you use this crimper versus a mower, so it is just a giant. I don't know, has a good some good heft to it. Uh, it's the width of the bed, and you just push it through, kind of crushing everything in your wake, and it's a very satisfying feeling. Yeah, there's um, a video of me using it, and you can hear me yelling at the bees to move, move. get out of the way. <laughs> um, I think I yeah, we got we did some more weeding uh, throughout the farm, yeah. and then really it was just uh, prepping for Friday's market was kind of the last thing. Um, minus the pepper field, which we'll get to, but we yeah. went through and harvested for the farmers market from on Thursday. Yeah, Thursday and Friday we did yep. a two day. So Thursday was kind of we harvested like greens, scallions, things like that, um, which and involves then, the like cleaning and putting them in, uh, yeah, getting them in bunches and everything, getting them basically ready to go to take to market. Yeah, it's a little counterintuitive because it's probably it's the fresher of the things that I harvest um, in the sense that it's baby lettuce and stuff that you know. The right. closer you harvest to probably when you're going to sell it for the, is for the best. But the way that 
most of the things on the farm, like summer fruits, need to be harvested every other day and therefore work out to Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I end up doing all of that on Thursday, figuring one extra day is not the end of the world um, for Saturday morning. And then Friday, we get around to all of the, um, the all the tomatoes and, and different things like that. Oh, um, dude, those cherry tomatoes are the best tasting things I've ever had in my life. I thought you were going to complain about picking them or something. They're a pain in the ass to pick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're not. <laughs> that one field back there where they're just absolutely insane. But they were the yeah. most delicious things I've ever put in my mouth. They're very good. There's uh, something true for a farm fresh tomato, but also that variety specifically, Sun Gold Sun cherry Gold. tomatoes. Yeah. They're uh, they're 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 top top we, of class. We did pick a lot of those. Um, yeah, you said scallions, which are kind of fun to pick. Uh, Could you give them a little peel and they look real fresh and clean? Uh, what else did we pick? That anything else new that day for like the first time? I don't. Probably not. Yeah, I think that was, that was pretty I mean, much I'm, it. We, okra again. Yeah, I think that okra, was. We did. Uh, oh, some we, eggplant. Yeah, some eggplant. Some different types of like shishitos and other types of peppers. Oh, yeah, other types of peppers. Yeah. Oh, pick the peppers. some charred peppers. Max, what do we do with the peppers? Yeah, so as I say, this is kind of a follow-up, and it will be a continued developing story. But uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, maybe about three weeks ago at this point, I had noticed that some of my pepper plants went from looking super, super happy to just withered up overnight. And so I started by ripping out just whatever plants looked terrible um, a couple of weeks ago and took pictures of what I was seeing, did a little bit of research on my own, but then contacted my University of Tennessee Agricultural Extension uh, officer, which all land-grant colleges have to have this as part of their university. They have extension officers. Uh, it's what my friend Miles does, but he's not agriculture. But um, it's you know a representative from the university who serves a county and um, can answer questions and kind of use the university's resources for you. They're basically there to serve you and be helpful. And so I reached out to Ronnie. I sent him a picture of what was happening to my peppers, kind of told him what I thought it was. And he agreed that he thought it was the same thing, which is something called Southern Blight. And I've never had to deal with it before. Not a northern, uh, hence the name, not really much of a northern problem. Um, it's a soil-borne, I think, disease. I'm not sure if it's viral or what, what have you. Um, it's, for those that have been listening to the podcast for a while, it is very similar to club root, which was a problem we had at Groundswell way back in the day, which was a soil-borne disease that killed brassicas. Southern blight is a soil-borne disease that kind of kills lots of things, but it's really enjoying my Solanaceae field, hence the peppers, um, but can easily also affect other things. So it's almost worse than club root in that sense. Um, the main, there's not a lot of great ways to treat it, specifically because of an organic um, farm and what we're trying to follow, but there's also not even really an inorganic fungicide or anything I could use. So it's a new developing problem of how do I take currently which show like five ish beds where i'm seeing it the pepper field specifically um and one make sure that it doesn't jump ship and, and spread to the rest of the farm if it already hasn't and then how do i contain it and try and, and regain this field and what that meant for you and i that day was we went through the pepper field harvesting first mm-hmm. kind of picking the the peppers off that were looked good from far away and there were the still a lot, they were supposed to be. a lot of them yeah, so we were going through, and, and you'd break off a pepper and, you know, basically had to give it a full look around and feel around, and if it was good, you kept it. You know, we harvested 50 pounds that day, I think, um, which was awesome, but we probably pulled off 50-plus about more than that pounds of just ones that one time – some were just disgusting, absolute, absolute horror shows to look at, <laughs> and then yeah. 
some that were look like a perfect pepper and then you feel the side of it and your finger goes right through and there's a soft yeah. spot and yeah. um that's all the southern the southern blight were, manifesting were in different ways yeah soft butts or there was a bunch of different different fruit diseases going on in them and yeah. so um one thing i want to do partly just as a mental like feeling better about looking at this field because it's really just stressing me out making me angry that i went from a beautiful field of peppers that i should be able to pick till october to expecting that probably by the end of september i'll be i'll be pepperless um we went through and ripped out every gross plant pulled out some weeds and then we also tried to grab all the gross rotting fruit that had been on the plants off the plants whatever we could get our hands on um and take them out of the field took them over to the dumpster at the build site and throw them away yeah. because it's not even something that they recommend you keep on your property if you're going to continue farming here there's no point in taking this to your compost pile because if you ever reuse your compost sometimes these soil borne diseases can linger long enough that you might just be spreading it out to the rest of your farm so right. we that was we, a we slimy task slimy poor awful smelling yeah. um at times depressing yeah. for me um yeah. an all-around just like kind of crappy feeling a good reminder that like you can have a pretty good thing going on and then <laughs> some disease right. or something you've never heard of will come and just kind of wipe it all out. Yeah. Um, we did so make we the field did, look better. Yeah. Field looks better. similar to the winter squash thing where we got a lot of the gross rotting red. You know, you'd look out of the field and you'd say, well, there's a lot of red peppers out there. That's great. And then you'd go out and touch them. And you're like, oh, these are all disgusting. Yeah. Um, so getting that, that progress was nice. I'm going to try and maintain it every week when I harvest as best as I can. Um, and as far as future, I think we'll talk plenty more about it in the future, but what am I going to do about it? Um, I'm still reading about it and trying to research and find out, but it'll most likely be taken out of production at least for the next nine months. So I'll try and get a cover crop or something for the winter on it. And then I will do something in the spring. And if anything, the first time it'll get planted again would probably be like late next summer, this time next summer, maybe planting stuff for fall. Um, it's only five beds out of what is currently, I think 106 or something. So it's not the biggest deal, but I feel like I've maybe seen signs of it on other parts of the farm and not as all-encompassing as what I'm seeing uh, in the peppers, but right. I'm going to try and isolate it and maintain it and uh, keep it from becoming an all-out farm issue because I think that could be something that could kind of render right. uh, half the farm useless or half the farm, um, you know, maybe not as productive as it could be. Um, so we'll see what comes of the southern blight. Is it affecting um, the hot peppers as well, or is it just the, it's, the sweet peppers? It's starting to. I'm seeing it kind of creep. It's uh, almost creeping from left to right across that field is where you can kind of see it. Um, we definitely noticed it way more in the sweet peppers when you and I were out there. Yeah. Um, we'll see if it's really affecting the eggplant. I saw – I didn't rip it out of the ground. I saw an eggplant plant today that looked really, really withered. Um, I didn't pull it up to see if it had the, the sign right. of southern blight or if something else was causing it. So – uh, the okra plants are still standing tall. They're nearby. They look great. Yeah, so, those are those are indestructible. Maybe those are the barrier between the southern blight <laughs> and everything else. And so, yeah. if I'm ever scared about it about it taking over, I plant a, a, a layer of, of okra to protect. Yeah. But I will say one thing that is um, encouraging is I've read some stuff about using a specific cover crop uh, mixture, specifically of mustard greens, that you would grow and then crimp or you know actually probably flail mow. And then put a tarp or a clear piece of plastic over and solarize it and break it down. And this mustard green has a natural fungicide in it that can help kill soil-borne diseases. There's a farmer in Tennessee, a very well-known farm that is very successful, that has 
shared a lot of stuff about how they were having problems with a soil-borne disease, and they did a couple of rotations of this mustard green cover crop, mowed it in, whatever, and then next season or even later that season planted the exact same crop they were having a problem with and had no problems at all. So that's that's motivating. I mean, every farm is different, and I don't know if specifically they were dealing with southern blight in their situation, but uh, it at least gives me something to go on, which is cool. Um, I at least have a little bit of a step that I can take. So I'm going to, that'll be my current plan. I think, um, whenever I get around to it cool. and that's how we finished our, that's how we finished our week. I I think. Say, yeah, Speed. that was our last like kind of major task out in the field. Yeah. Uh, except for Sunday. We did, we did yeah, a Sunday, say, Sunday. Yeah. Other than Sunday, but before Sunday, we'll talk Saturday, Saturday, we got up and packed everything up for the farmer's market. We drove out there, which was pretty close to your house and set up in this parking lot. And we, uh, we sold our wares. We did sell our wares. And I think it went pretty well. I think we had a decent market final one of the year. Um, I think Sam got to see eighty-five percent yeah, of the sales happened in the first hour. Yes, definitely, uh, which is kind of par for the course for that market. Yeah, um, we got real hot, a lot of standing around in the sun, yep. sweating. Yep. Um, got to see me do work my small talk, my yep. small farm talk. Yep. Answer <laughs> questions about your your vegetables. Yep. And yeah, it was it was a nice it was a nice final market. Um, well, yeah, it was the last pretty, one of the season, right? Yeah, pretty happy with the way that that sales kind of picked up throughout the season and and kind of what we were maintaining as like a baseline for sales per per market, which is great because it's not a big market by any means at all. Yeah. Um, so motivating that next year hopefully it'll be the same if not get bigger. Um, so yeah, Saturday morning we we sold our wares, kind of a nice way to to end uh, a week yeah. of harvesting stuff. Yep, trying and, to convince people to eat your okra. <laughs> exactly. I'll tell you right now, I thought okra was going to be a much bigger part of the market based on how much time we spent harvesting it. Yeah, one would think. One would uh, think. One would hope. And hope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then Sunday, we actually had a pretty big working uh, day, or at least morning, um, and we that was the day where we. Oh, okay. So you had. How many beds covered by this black tarp? Uh, I had ten beds that were covered with a tarp. Yeah, but uh, it old used to be cucumber, yeah, cucumbers cu- and squash. Exactly. So you had harvested those that field, and then you left the plants kind of behind, and you covered it with a tarp. And how long was that tarp on that field? Um, about five of the beds. It was over a month. Other five, maybe three weeks. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, three, three to five weeks. The idea there was put the tarp over it. It really kills everything kind of underneath it. And then you pull the tarp off and some of that has just broken down into the soil. And then the rest we or you kind of raked into piles. And I used my hands, my man hands to throw in the back of the cat to then go throw on the compost pile. Yeah, not maybe the ideal. I wasn't sure when I was going to use these beds. I think in the future, I probably would have done more field cleanup before I tarped to make mm-hmm. that process mm-hmm. even easier on us that. Um, it wouldn't have been as, as much uh, refuse from previous planting, but um, but not bad. An hour's worth of clearing ten beds um, to have them all be free for later in the week for me to plant. Um, how's your, we also how's, did, your uh, how's your back feel? You got sunburned doing this, like an idiot. I did. It's yeah, it's fine. It feels fine. Okay. We were. Okay. I was gonna also point out that we were rushing to do this because I had heavy rain coming on Tuesday, right. starting Tuesday from the hurricane. And I wanted to get some of this. One, these beds, you know, as soon as the soil gets too wet to, to work, um, you can't necessarily do any of the planting. So I wanted to get stuff planted before the rain started on Tuesday. Um, so I had us work a little bit on Sunday and take advantage of the, the extra hands. So we prepped, or we had kind of left me with 13 
beds I think that I could have planted into. Mm-hmm. Um, and on t- Monday I planted um, eight and a half or so. So there's still some empty ones out there that I did manage to till before it rained that are kind of just waiting for the transplants to be of size to get put in the ground. Cool. Um, so yeah, a lot, of, then, a lot of fall planting. Yeah. And then there was one last task on Sunday that you actually did not participate in because you were uh, out with some friends, but I was yeah. at home. So you guys got some new chickens. Uh, so uh, Jody came by with those new chickens. It was dark out, and all the chickens were in their little uh, little house. What's it called? They're like their hutch oh, or the hutch, their coop right. or the coop. The coop. The coop. Yeah, so know. they're all in the coop. And he came in his truck, and he had uh, ten or so new chickens. And he was kind of running one at a time from his truck and then throwing them in uh, the hutch with the with the old chickens. Not throwing, placing gently <laughs> and kindly. He was very he was very gentle toward these chickens. It was actually kind of cute. Um, but at one point, and I was just in your house, uh, just hanging out, doing my own thing. I think listening to a podcast uh, because you know you had said hey, he's not going to need help, and he didn't you know come over and say anything to me. So I was just doing my thing. And then at one point, I hear some yelling. Um, I hear a man yelling. And then maybe five seconds later, he's uh, on your porch, kind of looking in your window, knocking on the door, asking if I can come help him. Because apparently, Flossie was attacking him every time he tried to put a chicken in the hutch. And uh, my job was to stand near the hutch with a broom and basically not let any chickens come out and not and, and kind of keep Flossie away from him as he put chickens in the hutch. Uh, however... I guess Flossie got it all out of his system because he did not show his face once when I was, or maybe he's afraid of me. That's what it was. No, he's afraid of the the broom. It's the broom. Okay. So I was just standing there with the broom. The chickens were not interested in coming outside. It was dark and they all wanted to be in the hutch. And Flossie was not interested in me. So I just stood there for like 10 minutes as Jody ran back and forth, putting chickens in in the hutch. So true farmer, a true farmer. True farmer. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. We got, we got 10 new, 10 new hens. Nice. Everyone's getting um, along. Um, no, I mean, there's definitely a, a, a you know um, a little bit of a gang thing going on. They've got two. There's the new chickens and the old chickens, and there's really? not a lot of cross not a cross contaminating going on. Flossie's a little mean to the new ones. He doesn't like actually bite them, but he definitely like like pushes them around a little bit. Like he kind of wow. scares them into different corners for fun. I don't know what, why he's doing this. I mean, it's the whole pecking order thing and yeah. new chickens and finding out where they fit in. Um, but it, nothing, nothing vicious yet. Nothing like I've gone out there and saw anything horrifying. Right. I will Real say, mean girl situation can, out there. Exactly. One, um, they're known for pecking each other and ripping each other's feathers out. Okay. Um, the uh, little addendum to this is that the new chickens, I think their wings are clipped a little bit, but not enough to keep them from flying up onto the railing. Oh, really? And it doesn't mean that they've really gotten out much. One got out today, and I put it, I put her back. But I think they've been flying to the railing as a sense of escape from the other chickens uh-huh. and then kind of just lording it over them. Like three or four of them to, <laughs> earlier today were just standing on the railing looking down, weren't nice. trying to get out, like didn't want to really separate from the whole pack, but just kind of had some space yeah. and then they jump back in. So I think that will be uh, remedied next week or this weekend. We'll trim their wings um, because it's I don't want to have chickens running around the farm. But uh, but yeah, we got we got more more hens. Um, That's cool. And we didn't we didn't throw in our, our fancy. Uh, uh, reward dinner on Saturday. Oh yeah, for I was going to do a quick run through of non-farming related activities from yeah. the week. Uh, so we did some. We cooked some good dinners. We made we fajitas. Really we made steak. We made breakfast for dinner. It was uh, biscuits and gravy. You made the biscuits from scratch. 
Um, pasta night. Oh, then we you made a pasta thing with like fresh cherry tomatoes, and it was really good. And then we went to your pizza place, which had amazing stone-fired pizzas. It was really, really good. Sky King Pizza, Kingston Springs. Look it up. And yeah, then very good. Uh, on Saturday we went to Husk, the as a restaurant in Nashville, which we were both familiar with because of various Netflix cooking shows that we've watched. Uh, which what do you I don't know, what what do you have to say about Husk? It was great. It was yeah. really, the food was amazing. Definitely some new food experiences. What did you have? What was what was new? Yeah, I, I had the well, I had the trout with the I think I'm gonna go ahead and pronounce it makaju. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a corn based. Uh, New Orleans style, like um, I don't know what you corn based and peppers and tomatoes it's almost like together. A corn salsa. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, a little chunkier um, mm-hmm. with with some trout that was amazing. Um, would you had yourself some? We had ourselves a seafood dinner because then you had some shrimp. I had right? barbecue shrimp and grits and okra. Doing my part. And okra. After hanging out with okra all this week, I needed to eat some. <laughs> and then uh, we had ourselves some beef tartare. Yep. And, was that the first time um, you've ever had beef tartare? It's my first time having beef tartare. It Did was, you like it? It was very good. Yeah, yeah, it was not. I think it tasted 0% of what I expected it to taste like, <laughs> which yeah. is to say not like beef at all. Yeah. Um, and then we had some some spring onion Johnny cakes with uh, with some pimento oh, cheese. Oh, yeah, pimento cheese. Which I could have eaten those all day. Those oh, were incredible. Oh, for sure. For and then sure. We, had, we had a Basque cheesecake with pear and honey and something else uh, for dessert. Yeah. Um, super that good, was, super yeah. light and fluffy, which yeah, is not delicious. usually how you think of a cheesecake. Um, with some coffees, some post dinner coffees. Yeah. There was some cheddar. There were some cheddar biscuits too with our, oh, yeah, our dinner. There were some cheddar biscuits. It was great. I was so full. I think I yeah. was full until at least Sunday morning. A good part into Sunday morning. Yeah, it, was, um, uh, it felt like a good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It's one of those meals. I was like, yeah, it was a, an experience. It was worth. I mean, it's it's not impossible to get a reservation there, but it's the type of place where like. You need to reserve a couple of weeks in advance to, to get a decent time. Um, so I'm glad I had the foresight to, to do that. It was really good. And yeah. Sunday we ordered uh, some takeout uh, barbecue from a place not far from yours, and that was pretty good as well. Yeah, we, we ate well, as you yeah. should if you're going to be farming all week. And I came home, and I was like two pounds lighter than I was when I, when I got to your place. So Just apparently, it all off. Oh yeah, I mean, I went for a couple of runs too, but I guess I sweated off actually getting work, uh, getting work done. Yeah, yeah. So now we got that. We'll, we're running long as it is, but yeah. we can do uh, just a quick like. Any? Uh, how did you feel being a farmer? <laughs> what did you like about yeah. the farming experience? What did you not like? We haven't really talked about your and Flossie's relationship, but it seemed like it yeah. was fine. It was fine. Um, it was fine. No problems. We had a, we had a, a chat. I think he respects me. Is where where we kind of left it. He res- That's what respects up? and admires me. Wow, you picked up on all that. Yeah, yeah, I did. It's a heck of it's a heck of a talk you guys had. Yeah. Uh, so let's see, I had a it was a great I had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Um, even the not fun parts are like, I'm glad uh, we did. Um, what do I so what do I like? I mean, we talked a little bit about this. So I'm going to rehash some things that you have already heard, but. I just really appreciate, obviously, and this is probably the, this is probably the obvious um, takeaway. But I, my normal work is in the realm of like bits and bytes and words and um, conversation. So there's very little physical evidence usually of like having done uh, a thing. Um, 
which is just the reality of, you know, the type of knowledge work that uh, I do. And I don't think it really bothers me necessarily. However, it is really nice when you're working on the farm to see visual evidence of something is something is different in the world because of the energy that I put into it. Whether it's this field looked like shit and now it looks kind of good or we have multiple buckets full of squash, um, you know, everything that you do in a farm uh, has like a, a visual or not a visual, but like a, a physical component to it. Um, and that's just really satisfying to see that kind of before and after on everything. Yeah. I like yeah you always know where lot. you always know where you stand with what you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good or sure. bad. And then, you know, I could see, I really like how the scale, the scale of your farm means you don't necessarily have to do one specific. You actually you can't really do one specific task for a really, really long time because yeah. there's lots of different things to do, lots of very different types of things. And it's not like you're going out into these acre, you know, multiple acre fields and picking one crop all day for a week. You know, it's a couple hours doing this, a couple hours doing this a completely different thing. It's in between that texting with restaurants to see if they want to buy your stuff. Um, I guess I, I liked how I liked the variety of everything that we were doing. And, and then I only got like a, a, a small glimpse of it, but I could see, you know, the other stuff that you were ha- kind of having to do as well. And I don't think I realized kind of like how much effort you have to put into finding places for the stuff to, to go and like coordinating mm-hmm. with people um, via text um, that, that was all really interesting to me. Yeah. I wish, I wish that part was easier. That's the part. That's the part I don't like. Um, <laughs> yeah. and where you, where you find yourself losing a lot of time, but yeah, it's, yeah. It, it is because I don't think people realize, I mean, it looks big, but you know, a half acre. And when people hear that, it sounds genuinely tiny. Um, and it is basically like a big, big garden. You know, I guess yeah. you could look at it that way. Um, and there's definitely farm elements to it still. You still have consistent like big beds and stuff mm-hmm. of stuff, but you know, I think, um, I don't know. I think mentally people never know what to expect when they come out to like a, a market garden style farm. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of food out there. I mean, we, we picked a lot of, yeah. a lot of stuff off of it. Um, well, and when you were I, here, I like to like, we, I feel like we worked hard and however, from like a pure hours perspective, it's not mm-hmm. like we killed ourselves. Right. Oh, not um, at all. We almost did less than 40 hours. Maybe it was Sunday we brought it back, but we were almost probably right around 40 hours yeah, or less. Yeah, I bet you it was probably like more like 35, maybe yeah. probably around 35 hours. But um, like that felt smart because it was really, really hot outside. And, and like what basically is it worth the thing that we could do with that extra couple of hours of time in the really intense heat? Is it actually worth it? And I think you have a really good sense of the most important things that need to happen. And it's not that, oh, everything is done. There's literally nothing else we could do, so now we can go take a break. It's, well, the most important things have gotten done. And given kind of the calculus, the mental calculus of what it would cost us to work another couple of hours in 100-degree heat, is it really worth, like, weeding this one field just so we can say we worked a full eight hours? Like, no, it's not. Let's go sit by the pool and not kill ourselves. And then go back outside after dinner when it's not terrible if we do need to actually do something. And I think sometimes 
the ready is not bad about this at all because we are self-managing, but I see a lot with our clients. There's so much kind of like make-believe work that everyone is doing, this like this work theater that's happening to prove that you're working hard or putting in a right number of hours. And it's yeah. really divorced from the actual value that you create. And the nice thing about a farm being so clear cut about what needs to happen and what happens if you don't get those things done. And it's, I know, I just really like that, um, that approach as well. Yeah. That's been a fun, it's been a fun part for me this year to finally be in that role where I can make those decisions, but also on a farm where I do live on it. I am the sole farmer on it and things like that to, to learn kind of like, you know, when I started the season, I was like, no weeds nowhere. Like, you know, I'm, I'm all over it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then as things progressed and, and, more time spent harvesting and things like that and the humidity and the heat makes working tougher and makes the weeds really happy i've definitely like come to terms with like all right these three pathways are super weedy i you know can't walk down them whatever and or i can walk down them whatever i I, weed whack them down if i have to before they get bad but there's certain things where like we had to pick the okra we had to do this we had to like today i knew i had to start more charred plants because the charred plants in my greenhouse got eaten by something so like that every day i push that back there's a better chance that chard never gets up to size before a frost or something hits or things like that. So there are definitely are, I'm slowly learning kind of a hierarchy of, of tasks and what needs to get done. Yeah. Um, Very clear priorities. Very clear priorities. And I think in most knowledge work organizations, priorities are very, very unclear if there are any at all. Uh, So it's just nice to be in a context where it's like, Oh, if we don't get out and do this thing, these okra are going to be as long as my arm and nobody can eat them. Yeah. Then. So let's go do that. And like for me, like I knew like the winter squash had already been sitting for a long time. If we left that for another week, might not be able to do anything about it. If we didn't, if yeah. we didn't uncover those beds and prep those beds on Sunday, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it by myself yeah. in time before and plant them before the rain came. And you know, now I would have to set now up more like irrigation back, or, potentially, or yeah. 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 If not even more. So, um, yeah, it's always kind of playing that game in your head of deciding, <laughs> you know, can this be put off? Should it be put off? Um, does it need to get done? There were a lot of things this year where I, you know, had aspirations for certain things. I've now accepted, you know, that's a winter task or that's not important right. anymore or um, different things like that. So, yeah, but well, we can last, definitely, I think we can, yeah, yeah. Go, ahead. go ahead. I was just saying we can definitely too, like later pick back up more of these more thoughts and, and ideas yeah. about the the farming experience yeah, I and maybe drawing write, some parallels. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I definitely plan to write something more about this. And once to, in order to do that, I'll have to think a little bit more deeply about it. The last thing I was going to say is just that it made me excited to like own a house with space where I can grow stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I was always kind of intellectually interested in doing that, but now I'm like actually like viscerally interested and excited to do that. Not that I suddenly um, am some sort of expert, but I saw that it was fun to be out there and think about these things and do the work to make things grow. So I look forward to being able to do that for real. And, you know, how good stuff can taste. Oh, Certain yeah. Things taste eating, amazing. Eating your own stuff is pretty – I mean, I can only imagine how good it tastes when you were the one who, like, planted it and cared for it and harvested it. All I did yeah. was harvest some of these things, and I, they tasted pretty <laughs> good to me. Yeah, and, and I think, too, it's it's fun to see that, like, you could have, you know, a really small 30-foot by 30-foot garden, and knowing the amount of food that could come out of that is, oh, yeah. is, is a lot more than what people, I think, expect uh, a lot of the time. Totally. Uh, doesn't cool. take much space. Well, thanks for letting me come out and uh, ruin your farm. 
Yeah, didn't ruin anything. You crushed things that you're supposed to crush, threw away <laughs> the right. things you're supposed to throw away, you picked up the right rocks. Nice. You did, you did it all. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that I didn't um, have create some sort of catastrophic failure for the farm. It would have been pretty hard to do. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think. I mean, I'm not going to try and challenge you to that, but um, <laughs> next time. Hopefully, this, hopefully this begins a series of uh, yeah. Sam Sam works on the farm. Yeah. And uh, we'll get you out here for some spring and fall seasons and some other uh, some other tasks that aren't just harvesting. Sounds uh, good. I look forward. Uh, I look forward to it. Now we just got to figure out what the version is of you coming to work with me. Yeah, that would be interesting. Zoom me in. I'm ready to be zoomed in. All right. Yeah, we'll call it. We'll have you. We'll have you join a meeting. Perfect. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later, man. See ya.